Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Good morning. Man, it's great to be back here. Thank you for letting me come again, Heather, and and to uh, to share a message with you. It's Super Bowl Sunday. That was one person. <laughs> Maybe not everybody is excited about Super Bowl Sunday. I don't know about you, but uh, after all the COVID stuff and the beginning of football, and I, I, I took a whole season off. I haven't watched a single game this year. And, you know, it's been a little bit refreshing because I... I the TV's got to be on. i got to be watching football. I love watching football. I never... Well, I played one little season in third grade. I was really small. But but that's it. But I love watching football. I love watching the athleticism of it and, and just, just the fun of the game. I mean, it, it is a great game. So I'm wearing my, my Brett Favre Minnesota Vikings jersey. So we, we already realized this is a compromise, okay? I... It should have been a different color, maybe, but but this is what I got. Okay, everybody good with that? So, anybody else got a jersey at home that's just sitting in the closet right now? A couple of you. All right. Well, I want to just share a message with you. I'm just so blessed to be able to be here this morning, and so I'm thinking, what what am I talk about today? Of course, it's Super Bowl Sunday. So I I, I, I thought, you know, this this might be kind of cool to talk about this thing. What's 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 a goat when you're talking about sports? What's a goat? The greatest of all time. Anybody anybody just learned something new just now? What a goat is? I thought he was playing football, but everybody's calling him a goat. I'm not really sure what that's about. No, but a goat, when you're talking about sports or you're talking about any other thing, and somebody, he's the goat, or she's the goat, whatever it is, you're talking about somebody who's the greatest of all time. And, and so I just want to talk about that a little bit. We're Super Bowl 55 today. So I, I'm, I've been alive for 51 of those Super Bowls. I think that's pretty incredible. But it's the Chiefs in the Bucks, Super Bowl LV. Some of your only introduction to Roman numerals is when you watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> this is an easy one, Super Bowl LV. So it's the Chiefs in the Bucks. Who do you think is going to win? Raise your hand if you think it's the Chiefs today. The Chiefs are going to take it. All right. I was just going to say how about the Patriots, but it's not. It's it's. How about the Bucks? Is the Bucks going to win today? Oh, that's pretty interesting. All right. I hope you all are not in the same room today, watching us. So so I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, you know, I loved watching the Super Bowl last year. I loved watching Patrick Mahomes and doing what he was doing. A little bit of comeback and and just just watching the last several games of his season. It was kind of exciting. So when I when I found out and I wasn't following along. I just happened to find out that it was going to be uh, be the Chiefs and the Bucks playing today, and I thought, oh my gosh, that's pretty wild. Mahomes and Brady are playing in a in a game together. So a couple of things I, I just want to just highlight here. we got two pretty boy quarterbacks <laughs> right here. Two pretty boy quarterbacks. It's kind of the old versus the young. Tom Brady will have played in 10 Super Bowl matchups today. 10 out of 55 Super Bowls that have been played, Tom Brady will have been. And I said, hey, that, for what it's worth, kudos to him, right? I mean, nobody's ever done that before. I don't know when it'll be before anybody will ever get to do that again. Patrick Mahomes was in kindergarten when Tom Brady won his first Super Bowl. 
Can you believe that? This little guy right here was just just this big when this guy was winning his first Super Bowl. I think that's pretty wild. Both quarterbacks are strong leaders. They definitely get the job done. You may or may not like either one of them. It doesn't really matter. But I also want to point this out. One of them is a born-again believer and prays to Jesus before his games, and the other employs some otherworldly tactics as a pregame ritual. I don't know if you know that, but it's just interesting. And, and I think, hey, may the best man win. Amen? So who's the greatest of all time? Who's the greatest of all time in the NFL? Who's the GOAT? You, you told me earlier. Who do you think it is? Tom, you think Tom Brady is the, the greatest of all time. Anybody else got one you want to throw out? Aaron Rodgers. Anybody else? Anybody else want to jump on this guy now? <laughs> who else? Who, who do you think is the greatest of all time, NFL? Nobody wants to say. Who? Walter Payton? All right. I, you know what? Everybody had, they, they were good in their time, you know? I mean, Walter Payton was amazing. Chicago Bears loved watching Walter Payton. Uh, wasn't he, he played when Refrigerator Perry played, right? And they were on that Super Bowl team. They did the Super Bowl shuffle or whatever it was. I remember that. That was pretty cool. <laughs> so while I'm, I'm asking who's the greatest of all time, there's, there's about a dozen of you going, who cares? <laughs> in this room. But what does it mean to be the, the goat? What does it mean to be the greatest of all time? The best of the best. I mean, really, of anything. Most of the time, it's it's a quarterback or a wide receiver that gets all the attention, right, Isaac? It's just, those, those, are, those are kind of the highlight players. But, um, you know, I've never heard anyone talk about the, the greatest center of all time. You know, you, you get a guy, man, I love the way he does that. <laughs> He's so good. How about baseball? Legendary players in, in baseball. I got to see Game 7, 1987, when the Twins won the World Series. Oh my gosh, that was amazing. Pure pandemonium. It was awesome. Watching Kirby and Kent. And, and I mean, they to me, they were the greatest right right during that, that whole time. It was Burt Blylevin and Dan Gladden. I mean, just go down the roster of that team. It was Frank Viola. Senior Smoke. Anybody else remember that? Who was that? Juan Berenger, right? Uh, was, was Senior Smoke. So, lots of legendary players. How about basketball? Anybody got a favorite all time? Who? Jordan. Jordan, yes. Any LeBron fans out there? Who are saying LeBron's the, the, the GOAT? I, I've read a lot of uh, a lot of commentaries, a lot of articles that that this this matchup between Jordan and LeBron, and you know, I mean, people are pretty passionate about either side. For me, I'm a I'm a Jordan guy when it comes to uh, who's the greatest of all time in basketball, but it depends on who you watch, right? I watched Jordan win all five of his championships, and and I just thought, hey, that's pretty awesome. But let's let's move over to the Olympics, the gold medals. How, how many of you are Olympics fans? You like watching the Olympics. Weren't you sad this last winter when, when the whole Winter Olympic Games was canceled? I'm like, what? Man, I've been waiting four years for this to come around. I love watching the Olympics. So I've got a picture here. How about uh, Jesse Owens? I don't know if you, you know, I don't know if anybody was alive in this room when he won the gold medal, because that's like 1936, but... Uh, but the thing is, you got to read Jesse Owens' story. Adolf Hitler is in the audience, and Jesse Owens is winning gold for America. I mean, 
I was reading that last night, and I just, I mean, I was getting choked up, tears in my eyes, and I'm just reading the story about Jesse Owens. It is incredible. Four gold medals. How about Usain Bolt? I don't have a picture of Usain Bolt, but from Jamaica, lots of gold medals. He's, he's been called the, the greatest sprinter of all time. He would be the, the GOAT. But how about, going back a little while, uh, for those of you who are Olympics watchers, how about Nadia Comaneci from Romania? Oh. How many of you get choked up when you just start thinking about it? Was it a couple of Summer Olympics ago that that song, da, 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 da. I don't know even what the name of that song is, but they played it every time, and they had our, our uh, female gymnastics team, and they, they always show that every single time that happened, I'm just on the puddle. You know why? Because I look at those, those athletes, and I think that some of them, they've, they've been training since they were four or five years old. And now they're only 15 years old. And, and still only this tall, <laughs> most of them too. But, they're, but they're, they're doing everything. They're sacrificing everything. And they're winning gold medals. And um, was it Kerry Strug? I, was, I, don't, I don't have this in my notes. But Kerry Strug, I mean, this is a long time ago. Do you remember when she was doing the, the vault and she sprained her ankle or something? And she, she her first run, she, she biffed it right there and kind of fell back. And she did another one. And she stuck her landing on one foot. Anybody remember that? I mean, it was amazing. And I mean, all of America just like, I can't even believe this. Just, just crying for this girl. I mean, it, it, because it's amazing the strength and what they endure, the pain, everything that that is endured. But to, to hit that thing again and stick it on one foot and just hop there and win. I mean, the team took gold. It was, I mean, that, that stuff's incredible. Go back to 1992. Is a guy, his name is Melvin Stewart, did the butterfly. He was the best in the world. And I remember watching the Olympic Games from down in Orlando, Florida. And I, I was down there watching, and I was watching Melvin Stewart because he was, I mean, he made a big deal out of himself. Nobody else had to. He just did it himself. But, but what he said to a reporter, he said something to this, and I tried to look for the quote. I couldn't find it. But, um, but he said, if you're going to bet on anybody, bet on Melvin Stewart. And he's saying that about himself. But you know what he did? He came through. He won the gold, and he, he did it. He was the best in the butterfly at that time. How about Michael Johnson? Ever, anybody remember Michael Johnson? Who just, just tore it up, man. And he, he won gold after gold. It was amazing. And then the greatest of all time. Uh, I don't know how anybody could argue this is Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps, 28 medals, 23 of them gold, 39 world records. It's the most of all time. I mean, it's incredible. Five Olympic teams from 2000, 2004, 08, 12, and 16. Five Olympic teams. Absolutely incredible. Some would consider uh, Michael Phelps the, the absolute, the greatest of all time uh, swimmer. But there are some who even say that he is the greatest of all time athlete, period. Just because of what he did. And it's not just about what he did in the pool. I think part of what makes a greatest of all time anybody is the time of preparation, the time you put into practice, the dedication and the sacrifices. I think it all adds up, but being, being a greatest of all time. And so, you know, we, we can get out of athletics, and in athletics it's pretty easy to see. But how about musicians? There are, there are so many musicians, and everybody's got their favorite. They're the great for this reason, great for that reason, whatever. Um, all, all I know is that I, I love being a musician and a vocalist, but there's nothing that compared to some of the greats who have put in the time and the effort and practice and all of that. It has to be admired. 
There are people, like I said, who've sacrificed everything to be the best at what they did. They're the first to show up. They're the last to leave. They'll stay as long as they have to uh, at, at practice. And, and some of the best of the best, Tiger Woods in golf, has had three coaches. I don't know what he's got now, but I know that before he, he had three coaches coaching him. And who knows if they were even as good as he was. But they could observe and they could help him to be better. So the best of the best have coaches still. You never get good to so good that you will outgrow somebody being able to help you. you know. So uh, one, one of the things that I realized about these people, they never focus on the bare minimum about what's good enough. These are the people who are setting the standards. And I know this, some do it for fame and riches and the glory and all that stuff. Some do it just because they can. Uh, but it never ends, though. There's always another game. There's always another competitor. There's always another winner. It's pretty hard to cling to and hold on to those records. So nobody holds the top spot, really, for very long. So I've got a verse. I just want to throw this out there at you. First Corinthians 9.25, the Apostle Paul is talking about this. And, and he's talking about like the Olympics. He's saying everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, a, a little wreath around their head. Um, but what we do, we get a crown that will last forever. Amen? So who's the best of the best? Who comes to mind? Anybody else? How about intellectuals? A lot of smart people in the world, uh, not nearly as celebrated as athletes, like I just said, but still, there's a lot of brains going on out there. Um, does anybody know, before you put the picture up, don't put the picture up yet, it might be a dead giveaway. Does anybody know who Magnus Carlsen is? I mean, anybody. Who's Magnus Carlsen? You probably don't know. Go ahead and put his picture up there. He's the world chess champion. How many of you are just like on ESPN watching chess all day? I don't even think that's on ESPN. <laughs> Contact sport, I'd pick him a throw at somebody. He's the current world champion in chess, and I don't think a guy like this can have any friends. Do you know why? He would always be trying to figure out your next move. Who would want to hang around a guy like that? He's been the best for 10 years, since 2011. And he has beat the best to be the best. It's incredible. But is he the greatest of all time? Some might think so. There have been other greats, no doubt about it. So what does it take to be a great? Does simply being famous make you great? Does, does just people knowing your name, who you are, does that make you great? Does being rich make you great? I can tell you this. That God is not looking for the strength of our flesh of your flesh or my flesh, to call you great. Someone is always going to be stronger. Someone is always going to be faster than you. And someday, there's some kid out there who watched Michael Phelps when he was in kindergarten is going to come along, get in the pool, and break all of his records. It's just the way it goes, right? So God isn't looking for celebrity either. He doesn't care that the world knows you. He cares that the world knows Him. Amen? Are you making Him famous? Because that's our job, is to make Him famous. So what is attractive to the world is not necessarily attractive to God. And God isn't looking for brains. You know, someone will always be able to outsmart you. Somebody is going to get this guy. 
there's somebody out there who's training, who's figuring out, you know, how to, how to, how to best this guy. And he will. Somebody will. Or she will. Who knows? So on one hand, we have the world standard. On another hand, we've got God's standard. And so I, I, I had a, a little fun thing here that I wanted to do just, just with some, some smart stuff, but I think, um, I think I'm going to run out of time if I do that. So I'm going to skip to something else here. The year, it was 1952. Um, actually, I'm going to back up. I am going to do something different here. How many of you, when you took your driver's test, you said, what was, what was the question you asked? What's the question that you want to know? You, you, you're going to take your driver's test. What's the one question you want to know? Say it louder. How to parallel park. Yep, that would be a good one. I hope you practice that before you get there. You know what I wanted to know? How many do I need to pass? That's it. That's all I want to know. And just so you know, Olivia, I didn't do very well on my driver's test, but I passed, okay? I got a 76, and I think at that time you needed a 74 to pass. So, I, hey, you know what it made me think, though? You're going to get in your car, you're going to get on the road, and you're going to look at somebody else, and you go, okay, you're behind the wheel, so I know you passed, but by how much? That's, that's, that's a good question, isn't it? Everybody's out there driving because they passed, but you don't know how good they did. I don't know anybody who aced the driving test. It would be nice if you had to, but I don't know anybody who did. In school, in school, I found out at my graduation, I got this little sheet that I was number 100 of 500 in my class. I graduated with exactly 500 people. I was number 100. I thought, that's pretty cool to be number 100. And then I thought, that's it? Just number 100? I'm thinking, at first I was a little disappointed in myself. I was a little dismayed that, that I was only 100. I didn't know there was a competition going. I didn't know they were counting. I didn't know they were keeping track. I didn't know that they were watching me to be able to put me in, in some classification like that. And if I would have known that years ago, I would have done better. Why not, right? But I was 100 to 500. So I had to console myself by thinking this. At least I was in the top 20% and not the bottom 20%, right? So 1952, future president Jimmy Carter sitting in front of uh, an admiral because he wants to be uh, uh, a part of the nuclear submarine program with, uh, uh, with the Navy. And so for two hours, he's getting grilled and question after question after question. And he's just kind of sinking in his chair the whole time because he, he's just like feeling inadequate this whole time at, at trying to answer all of these questions. So finally, he, um, he asks Jimmy Carter, he said, how did you do in Naval Academy? Now Jimmy Carter perks up a little bit and he says, sir, I stood 59th out of 820. It's like, wow, that's pretty good. The admiral didn't say anything. Jimmy was, th you know, look, probably looking for an attaboy or something like that. He didn't get anything. 59th out of 820, that's pretty good, you know. And so this, this admiral is looking at Jimmy Carter, and he just asks him this question. He goes, did you do your best? And Jimmy Carter replies, yes, sir. But then he had to think about that and say, well, no, sir, I didn't do my best. 
because he's thinking, I could have studied more here and I could have done more here and applied myself more here, all of that. And so for a long time, that admiral is just looking at Jimmy Carter, and I'm sure it was just uncomfortable uncomfortable for him to, to sit there and have this guy looking at him. But then the admiral asked him one more question, and this haunted Jimmy Carter for the rest of his life. He said, why not? What if somebody asked us that? What if somebody said to you, did you do your best? I don't think anybody wants that question to be asked, honestly. I don't want really anybody to come up to me and say, hey, did you do your best? If I was going to answer honestly, I'd probably always have to say, maybe not. But what if we did? What if we did do our best? So shifting gears, when you read your Bible, who would you say is the greatest of all time? You can't say Jesus, okay? That's, that's, you're here like, Sunday school answer, this is easy. <laughs> no, you can't say Jesus. For you, when you read the Bible, who's the greatest of all time to you? Is it Peter? Is it Moses? Abraham? David? Paul, for you? Who are you thinking? Who's the greatest of all time? For me, when I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking Joseph. Jacob's son, Joseph. You ever read Joseph's story? The coat of many colors, kind of a, I don't know, you you would think he's maybe a little bit of a, like, hi guys, look at me, you know, kind of a guy. He's got, look at dad made me, didn't make you one, but I look good, you know, I mean, all that. He's got his coat of many colors. But then he also has these dreams. He tells his brother some dreams. And what are these dreams about? Hey, hey, you guys, I had these dreams. You're all going to be bowing down to me. Isn't that fun? They hated him. So what did they do? They threw him into a pit. They wanted to kill him. Can you believe that? They wanted to kill him just for that. They wanted to take him out because they hated him for that. Because we're not going to bow down to you. Who are you that we would do that? So instead, they sell him into slavery. So he ends up in Egypt. And, and Joseph, you know, why, why would I call him the greatest of all time? It's because of the life he led. And it's not just that, it's how he did it. Joseph, to me, when I read that, I never get sick of reading that story. I never get sick of it. Because it's encouragement to me. In fact, if you haven't read it in a while, read it. You got to read the story about Jacob, Joseph, and Egypt, all of that. But you know what Joseph did? Joseph got sold into slavery. You don't hear any dialogue, really, about Joseph crying out from the pit saying, Guys, why are you doing this? Guys, guys, please, I won't say anything. You don't hear any of that. They sell him. He's in, you don't hear any dialogue. He's on his way being sold to uh, somebody in, in Egypt, to Potiphar. He's working in Potiphar's house now. So do you know what Joseph does? The greatest of all time, in my opinion. Do you know what he does? He works hard. He's a slave, sold, doesn't get to see his family anymore. I mean, he's in another world. And this guy is just working hard. Why? To bring glory to God. That's incredible. 
Do you know what we would be doing? We would be scratching the walls. We would be doing everything we can trying to get out of there, escape, trying to call home. Hey, can you come and get me? No. You know, you, we wouldn't be thinking about how can I bring glory to God in this. We wouldn't do that. But seemingly without fail, Joseph keeps his composure. He honors God in every circumstance. In Potiphar's house, in prison, after he got thrown out of Potiphar's house, and then in service to Pharaoh himself. Joseph keeps focused. He does one thing. He honors God with his life. With everything that he does, he honors God. That's the greatest of all time to me. So is Joseph elevated to this high and great position because he elevated himself? Was he saying, guys, look at how great I am? No. Was it because he elevated the God he loved? Yes. Did Joseph want to become famous just for the sake of being famous? I don't think so. Joseph wanted God to be famous. Amen? So we, we have to admit, I think if we're being honest, we have to admit that we, we like a little bit of that glory light every once in a while. But I don't see that Joseph did. I don't see that Joseph was looking for a way to make himself great. Other than to say to... Um, uh, in, in prison to say, hey guys, when you go back to Pharaoh, will you remember me? I mean, he didn't try that hard to get out, but he's just asking, hey, can, can you remember me when you go out? And they forgot about him, and he ended up staying in prison even a little bit longer. Joseph wasn't tempted by the things that I think that, that we're tempted by. But what I see in Joseph's life is a comeback. I was talking to Isaac here just a little bit ago about Super Bowl 51 and the uh, the Patriots are playing the Falcons. They're down by a ton. And it, I mean, the Falcons are just crushing the Patriots. And I know for me, I'm like, yes, crush the Patriots. You know, it was, it was awesome to watch. I didn't have any skin in the game either way. It didn't matter to me, right? I just like watching football. It was a good, this was a good game. There have been some serious dud uh, Super Bowl games, but this was a good one. It was fun watching the Patriots get crushed for a while but then it was like they're coming back they're going to make this happen and I'm thinking okay I'll, I'll be a little bit of a Brady fan if he can make this happen these guys come out in the second half and they turn it around and they end up beating the Falcons in overtime and Brady wins his, wins his fifth Super Bowl right there it, it was pretty incredible I mean you got to admit for football games you know take the names off the back of the jerseys and, and just say you know just for athleticism and, and stick Intuitiveness and, and teamwork and all that stuff. That was a great comeback, you know. But I'm thinking Joseph had a great comeback. Joseph goes from the pit to prison and, and then into Pharaoh's house. And I mean, who knew? This was incredible. This guy goes from, from where he was to the, to the depths of probably despair, still honoring God, and yet God elevates him to be the prince over all of Egypt second only to Pharaoh. Do you believe that story actually happened? Say yes, I believe that story actually happened. Yes, I believe that story actually. You're like, okay, is this a trick question that the pastor is asking me right now? Because maybe he's going to tell me it didn't really happen. It happened. This really happened. Joseph went from down in the pit, sold to slavery, and became ruler over all of Egypt. Just like, well, not just like that. It was a process. 
But my goodness, what a comeback. That's incredible. That's incredible. That's why you have to read this story. Alright? So what makes Joseph the greatest of all time? Again, it's who he was and who he served. So if you want to be the greatest, if you want to, if, if you want to have the best seat, do you know what you need to do? What do you need to do if you want to have the best seat? You need to give up your seat. Does that make sense? Because we have to go by God's rules, not, not man's rules. If you want to be the greatest, if you want to have the best seat, you need to give up your seat. It's not about who's wearing the nice shoes. It's about who's doing the work of washing the feet. That's greatest in the kingdom kind of talk right there. Joseph was helpful, even in prison, was elevated to leadership, even in his captivity. That's incredible. Would we be doing that? I don't think so. Would we be able to stay composed and have that kind of demeanor? Would, I knew a guy, um, his name was Don. Don was a, a drug dealer somewhere in the middle of America. Uh, this was 25 years ago that I met this guy. And he was in prison. He got caught. He did some terrible, terrible crimes. And, and he got caught. He was in prison in the Minnesota prison system because they wanted him far away from where he was. Anyway, this guy tells a story about a Bible coming through. Or a, a, Bible, or a book cart. He grabs a Bible. He reads the Bible. He gets saved. Gives his life to the Lord because of that Bible that came through. And now he decides that instead of working for himself and working for all the drug dealers and all of that, he was going to start working for Jesus. And so in the Minnesota prison system, this guy... He starts going around, and now he's looking for what God wants him to do. He's not looking at his circumstance and where he is. He's looking at the work that needs to be done. Does that make sense? Amen? So a lot of times we look at the circumstance, but we don't look at the work that needs to be done. So this guy, Don, he's in the prison system, and now he is preaching the gospel to other inmates, and they're getting saved. So now what's happening? He doesn't know why, but now he's getting transferred to another prison. And so he realizes, God, you're bringing me to another place. And he starts preaching the gospel there. More people are getting saved. Guards and inmates are getting saved. He's supposed to be getting out. And he gets transferred to another prison. Do you think that his freedom wasn't like on his mind and on his heart and he wanted this pretty badly? But Don decides to go, okay, Lord, you have me here for a reason. I know I could be out there and I could be free and I could be pushing on this a little bit more. But he, in his patience and in his new mind, his new understanding, he is now doing probably what Joseph was doing and just sharing God with these people. That's what God wants us to do. I know we got to wear a mask, and I know it's not a very popular thing to do, and I know we could push on our freedoms, and we can hoot and holler and do all that. But why don't instead, why don't you just say, Lord, how can I bring you glory through this if this is what I have to do? How can I bring you glory in this if this is where I have to be? 
I wonder if we could be a little bit more like the greatest of all time, like Joseph, and complain a little bit less about our circumstances and allow God to use us to the max in those circumstances. Amen? That's not an easy amen, is it? If we're going to be honest about that. We live in such a look-at-me, look-at-me kind of a world right now. You have all this social media going on out there. Everybody's got an account. You want to be the, the best, the most noticed and all that stuff. And we're, we're kind of drifting away from the look at Jesus part of this that we should be doing. So what makes us the greatest of all time? Is it going to be how much attention, how much accolade that, that we can get for ourselves? That doesn't make us really great. Because I'll tell you, at the end of all days, when we stand before the King of Kings and we get judged rightly, and we made it all about us, it's not going to go very well. Say amen to that. Amen. You don't have to be the greatest of all time in, in, in the way that, that the world says. Um, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, and I know this is a familiar voice, but we could do what Joseph did. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to Him and He'll make your path straight. It might not look like you want it to look, but that's, that's what He does. So if we just lay that all down before Him, I think it's going to go okay. So how about we do this? How about we just be great where we are? A God kind of great, not a world kind of great. And how about if we just realize, hey, this is where I'm sitting today. Why don't I be great in the, cl- in the classroom or the workspace or in the neighborhood or, or wherever it is you know, where I can just serve my neighbor and I can do what i got to do and, and maybe to, to help elevate someone else. And instead of saying, look at me, look at me, we start looking at our neighbor. And instead of looking for that attention, that affection and that accolade, how about instead we start giving it. Amen? We give it. And don't just give it. Give a lot of it. Instead of me wanting recognition, how about me recognize somebody else and say, hey, you're so good at that. Prop up somebody else. Instead of me, you know, wanting somebody to get under me and lift me up, how about I get under somebody and lift them up. In sports, that's called an assist, by the way. And so in the kingdom of God, you can, you can have an assist. And I'll tell you, there are some of the greatest of all time who have made others look good because they've just assisted and assisted and have given them the ball and they've done that. Why don't you be that guy? Why don't we be that one who, who is the assister more? Be humble. Stay faithful. Be a servant of God. So, I think it's a little bit interesting that, uh, that after the big game today, there's going to be some celebration, everybody's going to go home, and then all they're going to be able to think about in just a few days is who's got the best shot at being Super Bowl champion next year. Isn't that incredible? Whoop, we bring it all to this, and then it's, okay, we're, we're already moving on. We're looking at next year. Jesus is coming back, you guys. And we're going to get to a place where that's all that matters. And I think that that's where we are right now. That's all that matters. 
I went to a youth conference in 1997 called DCLA 97. At the very end of it, they called up these uh, young people up onto the stage and asked them what they learned. Well, there was a football player who came up and he talked about last year. You know, he said in in in, um, in our season, our coach just told us we're going to win. We're going to win the championship because nothing else matters. That's it, and nothing else matters. So he said, but after being here, I'm going to go back and I'm going to tell my coach and my team about Jesus because nothing else matters. It was awesome. I think it was that kid, it was that moment that I just had this wild head-to-toe born-again experience where I realized, you know what, that's that's the truth right there. Nothing else matters. The greatest of all time is Jesus. Jesus is the greatest of all time. But you know what? We don't call him the goat. We call him the lamb. We call him the lion. He's the lamb of God. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And what we think is great in this world is not really that great. Those that we elevate because of wealth and achievement and all of that, God doesn't elevate unless there's humility and servanthood attached to it. Amen? There's coming a day. Sure, the trophies are going to be handed out, but the trophies are going to melt. Every trophy is going to melt, and every record and every accolade is going to fade. It will amount to nothing. It won't matter how fast you can run. It won't matter how high you can jump. It doesn't matter how much you can lift. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter, like I said, how many trophies you won or how many toys you have or how many fans or likes or followers you have. It doesn't matter. Amen? Come on. Amen? Because that's the truth, isn't it? That's the truth. Jesus is the greatest of all time. Nothing else matters. What matters right now is how faithful we are. Period. What matters right now is how we treat our neighbors. Did you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with everything you have? The Apostle Paul said this. He said, I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. The faith. I don't know about you, but I have wept when I've seen Olympic champions fight for a victory and then step up onto that gold medalist platform. You, can you think of some of those that you've seen? They step up onto that platform, and I remember my eyes are just filled with tears. The national anthem is starting to play. That flag is getting unfurled, and you see them standing up there with their hand over their heart and a smile on their face and, and just wonder what they're thinking. How much work has gone into this? And then, as they just do this, they lean over and somebody places a gold medal over their heads and around their neck. That's incredible. We've got something like that waiting for us. 
many of you have seen Facing the Giants? You've seen that, that show, The Death Crawl. You know what I'm talking about? You remember that? He gets that kid, puts another kid on his back and makes him hang on, and he's got to crawl all the way down the football field, and this kid's crying, I can't do it, coach, I can't do it. And the coach is standing there yelling at this kid, you can do it, you can do it. And this kid is crawling and crawling. And I'm telling you, Jesus stands there, and, and he doesn't care that you just did some awesome athletic feat. He wants you to get up, maybe get down for you. Maybe it's on your knees is where the great thing is going to happen. I'll tell you what, that's more truth than anything. But He wants you to do it and keep making progress. You can do it, son. You can do it at home. You can do it. You can do it. Keep crawling. Keep fighting. Run the race with faith. Amen? It's incredible. Any of you ever seen Team Team Hoyt? Father and son. Son's a quadriplegic. Just says, Dad, I just want to I just want to race. I want to ride. I want to feel this. Dad puts him on a bike, puts him in a boat, does everything. Iron Man competition, one after another with this. That's sacrifice. That's what Jesus is doing so that you can cross that finish line. It's it's incredible. But for all of that. For all of those finish lines that can be crossed, nothing will compare to the moment, though, when at the name of Jesus, His name is called out. And the Bible says, Every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, to the glory of God the Father. It will be my only desire to bow before the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the greatest of all time. World records won't matter on that day, only faith. And there's only one record that's going to matter anyway, and you know what that is? It's not a hall of fame. It's not a book of worldly stats. It's better than that. It's a list of names that are written in the Lamb's book of life. You want to be the greatest of all time? Serve somebody. You want to be the greatest of all time? Lift somebody else up. You want to be the greatest of all time? The lower you are, the better it is, not the higher. Do you know how to do that? You confess. You say, Jesus, you're the greatest of all time. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. I repent from wherever I was and whatever I was doing, whatever I was looking at, I return and I return to You. Forgive me for putting things before You that I have no business putting before You. Forgive me for taking my eyes off of You and putting them on the worldly prizes. I owe my life to You. I bow before You. And I want to live forever with You. The greatest of all time. Amen. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.